What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? How are you doing today? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Uh, a little bit about Ping Pong. Uh, we provide marketplace sellers and entrepreneurs global solutions for controlling their domestic and international funds. An account with Ping Pong enables companies to significantly reduce their costs when receiving or making international payments all in one platform to help increase operational efficiencies, saves time, and allows sellers to manage their business profits from one single source. To find out more information about how Ping Pong can save your e-commerce business more money, just sign up for a free account today or check out that link below in the comments. Uh, if you're watching on social media, go and check that out. It's free to sign up. If you have questions, feel free to email me directly. Of course, ryan.kramer at pingpongx.us or follow me on social media. Happy to talk about Ping Pong in that regard. But about our episode today, this is episode 73. We are just chucking uh, right along in our episodes Uh just yesterday, it feels like episode one, we're already on 73. And again, for all of you who are new to the show, welcome. This is Crossover Commerce. Um, as a host of this show, I go live about four to five times per week with different industry experts in the Amazon and e-commerce space, um, ranging anywhere from logistics to sellers to software solutions to people who have just uh, been in the business or acquiring businesses or even exiting businesses, it runs a gauntlet, but we have a unique perspective here. Um, I'm gonna let you tap into my network of people who have been successful on the Amazon and e-commerce space and bring you different information every single time that we go live on these platforms. Again, we're on live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, so because we are live, we will see the comments as this happens out. So if you happen to have a question for myself or our guests, or if you just wanna say hi or let us know where you're listening from, Go ahead and put that in the comment section below. We'd be more than happy to uh, show you on the screen and then answer your questions as well. If you don't listen to this right now, if you're on Clubhouse or if you're listening to something else as a podcast at a later time, we love that you can watch this later again on YouTube or LinkedIn. Just check those channels out as well. And we also can download our episodes anywhere you truly can listen to a podcast, whether that's Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Apple or uh, shop, I should say Spotify or uh, Google podcast, truly really anywhere. There's a podcast, just search crossover commerce and we'll be there. Um, but do me a favor and follow, like, and share this episode. So more people can watch and share and watch along with us, um, which with you, I should say, so that they can get a little bit of information um, that comes from each episode. So make sure that you like, and share and click that little um, bell on the bottom right hand side if you're watching on YouTube to be notified of future episodes. Again, four to five times per week, we're here to give you knowledge and insight to the Amazon e-commerce community. But about my guest today, really excited to dive into this topic. Again, had lots of people and this space exit businesses, but this one particularly has me fascinated because we're going to talk about the not so beautiful ways of exiting a business. But like uh, for my guest today, he currently runs Black Label Advisor and Amazon-centric consultancy focused solely on helping sellers and brand owners expand their reach on a platform and grow their business. Clients from him from all over uh, uh, come to him from all over the world 
for advice ranging from listening audits to solving logistical issues. If your business needs an extra set of eyes on your business, Black Label Advisor delivers. You can learn more about Black Label Advisors at blacklabeladvisor.com or emailing him directly at John Elder at blacklabeladvisor.com. Welcome to the show and uh, first time on uh, Clubhouse, or not Clubhouse, <laughs> on uh, streaming, I should say, John Elder of Black Label Advisor. John, what's up, man? Hi. Uh, okay, I'm unmuted. Okay, good. You're uh, unmuted. Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> Ryan, it's, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a crazy time in this space, and you're a super busy guy. You just got off a call with a, a client, so hopefully that went well. But you did, man. Your background is so fascinating. It's it's an it's a it's not many people that get to say I exited my business and have yeah. been successful on Amazon, and now I'm going back and helping people do the same thing. But for you specifically, you had some ups and downs, but. Before we dive into our topic today, what's kind of like that background? Like, who is John? Who, uh, like, how? What makes you tick? Like, where are you located? Like, the whole whole shebang. Let, uh, paint us yeah. a picture for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I got I got started a little differently on Amazon. I, I honestly, you know, thought I was going to be in commercial construction uh, for years. And Interesting. So I, went to, I went to University of Washington. Um, you know, started out just with an amazing career, um, very successful experience, and. Um, I started realizing that the corporate ladder is going to be very slow and very painful. And um, I just, I wanted to get paid more. And so I wanted to, you know, start a side business. And uh, this was right around 2014 uh, when I jumped into uh, the Amazon FBA world, specifically private label, and uh, just uh, started growing with, with a humble, you know, golfing product. And this led into expansion of golfing products and expansion into lots of different brands and um ended up so right out of college i was working in san diego yeah. uh, right, and then after that i moved uh with my wife and my son to dallas uh we so we moved here actually for another construction project uh that project ended up being a royal pain and um it was just it was absolutely terrible and gosh about two years after that I uh, ended up going full time into my Amazon brands, and okay. rented out, rented some office space in Dallas, and um, just went went all in. And so I did that for a few years, and then exited in late 2019. And um, a lot of people have asked me, you know, how how did you exit so fast? Um, I actually had a uh, excuse me, I had a uh, vision board from day one. And a lot of people will say, well, what does that look like? Honestly, for me, I had a very specific multi-million dollar number, um, you know, before I launched my product. And so that kind of, um, I had every business decision I made was filtered through that number. And so, um, you know, whether that was branding or which products to launch, uh, I really had to think about, does that fit my long-term goal? And so, uh, my goal was actually to exit within 10 years and then I ended up exiting in under five years. So it happened a lot faster. Uh, you have did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you put in twice the amount of work that would have taken in 10 years in five years there. That's yeah. all there to it. Right. Yeah. 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 Easy. And, 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 and a big thanks to um, uh, really cheap capital. So that helps. Right. Too. Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what drives me, I just, I love building things. I love, um, uh, launching new products and working with people and doing something of my own. And so that was always a dream of mine. Um, I've started a couple of businesses over the years 
and uh, this one uh, was my was my greatest success. So um, it's it's been a it's been a real journey. So you go from construction, your first selling online. You said it was a side hustle, but it's actually a you jumped straight into Amazon right away, and that was your next job right after this. You said failed uh, construction job, like you didn't like it, so you just jumped full into Amazon. Yeah. And I mean, I, I have to be careful. I mean, I, I was extremely conservative uh, with uh, making sure I was able to cover my uh, day job salary with my, sure. uh, with my Amazon business. So I had, I proved that to myself for over six months. And at that point, just talking with my wife, we felt like, okay, you know, this is actually working and we can cover more than enough of our bills and just, just normal life at that point. And, um, and then I, I literally called in, uh, my three bosses and, uh, let them know that I was done. Um, so it was, it was definitely, uh, just a sense of freedom at that point. And, uh, you know, working on something that you built out, built up from the ground up is so exhilarating. I can't even describe to you. I bet. And I was going to say, not just yourself, you had to convince, you probably had to convince your wife and everyone else of, Hey, don't worry. Like we have this covered. Here's the numbers. This is how we do it. So <laughs> I, I know at least like that, that's how my perspective would be. So <laughs> I'm sure that conversation happened over a course of multiple days, weeks, if not yes. longer. Yeah. That's where the six months came from. So, right. Exactly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what's crazy. My day job is brutal. It was brutal. Okay. So I was construction, I was, right? That's not, that's not for every person, right? It's oh my hands on it's, it's early, late. I mean, as long as there's light outside, I can imagine that's when construction has yeah. to happen. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you're working from seven to seven, you know, so these, yeah. are, these are long days. And so my wife, you know, she de it definitely piqued her interest that Amazon was going to be way more flexible and I get to decide my own hours. So <laughs> that was really attractive. <laughs> A win for everyone. So, so why golf, why golf equipment? Like what, what got you into that? Like, obviously you're doing the research. Is that a passion for you? Is that something that you were able to say like, Hey, I know the game I played it myself. This is a solution I can, you know, jump right into and, and find a solution yeah. for it. Yeah. So, um, I, so to give you a little bit of background, I, uh, you know, golfed in high school and college and, yes. uh, and I talk about this with my clients all the time, just focusing on products you actually care about things that you have passions in. Um, you know, maybe something has a greater mission for the world, something that really kind of wakes you up in the morning. You're excited to innovate and excited to work on the product. So for me, um, I ended up with a golfing product for two reasons. One, I was really interested in it. And um, there was, you know, a ton of opportunity at the time uh, on Amazon for that specific product. And I ended up, the story there is kind of crazy, I ended up uh, having uh, eight color variations and that became the number one seller in that category. And then I ended up realizing that I was working with the same supplier that works with the PGA Tour. So there you uh, go. You know, I had to lay had a leg up in terms of my quality, and awesome. so um, that was just amazing to, to see how small the world is with uh, manufacturing. So yeah, what, what was that like? So this is building a brand from when was the kickoff of this of your brand on Amazon? This is 2016, 18. No, the kickoff was, gosh, that's um, called that December 2014 is when I launched okay. uh, the, the so golf product. That's pretty early on in terms of the private label side of business, to be honest with you. Not a lot of people, and that, that's when a lot of people started to scale, you know, in terms of the FBA side. And it was kind of, I call it the Wild West uh, timeline of, of Amazon. So, so you okay. got in pretty early 
which is pretty fascinating for you. Did you did you look at other platforms to sell on, or Amazon was it? You know, not eBay, not other marketplaces. Amazon was going to yeah. be the one for you. What 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 was that decision like? Even even in 2014, Amazon was the place to be. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it was it was it was it. And eBay was there was a little bit there, but nothing compared to Amazon. And definitely, okay. and definitely not on Etsy, just for, you know, the type of scaling I wanted to do with the type of products I wanted to sell. Um, it was at that time, it definitely felt like I'm getting in and this is going to grow really fast, potentially. Um, and now a lot of people are familiar with Amazon FBA, but back then very few people would understand what you're talking about. Because honestly, in 2014, I assumed that Amazon was in total control of every product sold on Amazon. So I didn't even realize that the vast majority of products are third-party sellers. Right. I believe at the last I looked at 67, 65% is now still third-party sellers yep. and not 1P, not, you know, arbitrage. Or I, I want to know if arbitrage is factored in that um, that 65%. But yeah, third-party sellers are people buying and selling on a marketplace, which is what it is. It's yeah. happening on Amazon. Yeah. So you did that back in 2014, pretty early on, but... I'm assuming all your clients are saying, well, you were early to the party. How, why should I, you know, trust that you're, you know, what you're talking about, things have changed, things like that. What, what was kind of like that 2014 to 2019, it's a five-year growth period or a scaling period, I should say. What, what's that five years look like for you as a seller? And then um, are you growing and bringing different products to market under that brand? Or is it just one hero brand product? So, you know, what's that story like? Yeah, it, honestly, um, a couple clients have asked me about that. And the same issues that people have now, for the most part, are the same issues I had back then. So the biggest thing that's changed really is the you know per SKU level um, inventory restrictions. That's that's obviously complicated, uh, you know, inventory shipments. Uh, but in terms of, you know, people coming after you with, you know, beautiful photos and branding, and having all their trademarks set up and design patents, that was always that was always a thing. So, you know, I started with the golfing product um, and then ended up uh, launching quite a few brands. Um, so I was actually up to 12 brands. And then I just got totally burned out in the first year. And I'm like, okay, I need to I need to really focus on branding and expanding my brand presence and expanding my product lines under these brands because if I want to exit someday, a potential buyer does not want to see a bunch of random products. They want to see cohesive branding. They want to see you know between five and ten products under that brand. Um, they want to see um, you know beautiful photos, and they they want to see just a variety of revenue as well. So um, they're. Within each brand, I had a couple, you can call them home run products, but it wasn't to the level where they were soaking up 90% of the revenue. So on some, maybe 40% of the revenue came, came okay. to one of the, you know, one of the top sellers, but then I had a really nice, even uh, revenue across the rest of the product lines. So that was always really attractive, uh, especially in negotiations with buyers uh, for my exit. That was huge because that's a huge risk if you have a couple home run products and then you have let's say 50 kind of um cheap dead weight low margin yeah exactly um that's not attractive to buyers at all interesting so so over the course of that time you're scaling what's kind of that what's kind of that schedule for people who don't know what uh, an exit looks like it's 
growing on Amazon, then you're diversifying in different marketplaces, you're building outside of Amazon. What, what was that roadmap for you specifically? Um, there's, there's a lot of roads you can go down in terms of uh, diversifying your business. But for me, I really wanted to focus on Shopify sites and okay. focus on bringing social media to my Shopify site. And a lot of people, there's, it, I, I've, I've been in interviews where this question has come up and I've, and I've tried to explain that Shopify is not a, uh, like a marketplace. It's, it's a hosting website. Right. So when I, when you're building, about, yeah, you build your own branded website and it can exactly. facilitate transactions to it. Yeah, exactly. So it's a DTC setup and, you know, you're bringing traffic to that site with the goal of capturing uh, people's email address and their first name, things like that. So you can, uh, retarget ads to them. So you can, um, you know, do, uh, new product launch um, alerts to them and kind of create this VIP uh, tribe for your brands. And so that was kind of the second tier in terms of sales. And so I ended up doing 10% Shopify and then 90% Amazon. And I never got into Walmart because Walmart was a royal pain to work with and they required a third party warehouse. And so my Shopify was actually connected with, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, the MCF program. So all my inventory was tied to Amazon. And so whenever someone purchased through my Shopify site, they would actually get an Amazon Prime um, branded package. Um, uh, so it was just extremely efficient. And um, so I grew using those two main channels, just a little bit on eBay. eBay is just a strange world. Um, if you're trying to brand yourself, eBay is not the place to do it. Um, so it did, did a little bit, uh, less, less than 1% really. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, definitely got my financials in order, uh, you know, to, to get the process started in late 2018. So I, uh, I contracted with, um, a broker based out of New York and, um, you know, basically, you know, gave them every little detail about my business and, uh, had my CPA, draw up all the documents they requested and um, just kept everything really clean. And for anyone listening, having clean financials and 24 months of bookkeeping and PL statements are huge. And um, just consider that the bare minimum because they're, they're going to want that. Um, yeah. You said so, 24 months. I've already heard 12. So you're, you're talking about even farther back. Yeah. That gets into if you, so I, I had an SBA loan. Um, involved in the deal, okay. and so they did require 24 months of uh, of statements. So, so basically, back paying back the loan and then making sure that everything's clean. On that yeah, they're, they're looking more at due diligence and making sure that your business is um, is going to be able to grow uh, for the buyer, and 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 the bank obviously wants to make sure their money is protected. That's amazing. So, I mean, first off, congrats. That's amazing to yeah. exit a business. Even like right before, you know, no, 2020, especially like you said, it was a month or two right before everything kind of shut down and whatnot. And a lot of people, you know, went through a lot of different changes and whatnot. So the timing, did that benefit you, do you think? Or did that, that kind of maybe, do you ever have, let me, let me rotate this back a little bit. Do you think the timing was perfect for you? Or do you think that if you rolled it and wait, held on to a little more, the multiples might've been more in your favor or what is that? Um, this time to go or was this, was this time to go? Well, I, I was pretty tapped out and okay. I, I was ready 
to to exit at that point. And it, and I hit my goal number that I had from day one, anyways. And so that was a that was a huge component. But um, obviously, no one saw COVID happening, right? And so that came out of left field, and it happened right after. Um, so I closed in um, September of 2019, um, and that was just stunning to see that. But to be quite honest with you, I could have I could have held all my brands in my seller account and had a much higher multiple because um, with zero experience, the buyer of my business has actually grown between 50 and 100 percent year over year. So they're they're actually doing fantastic. And, um, you know, I could have kept it and kept going, right. uh, but for me and where I was in life, um, it, it was, it was the right timing. Gotcha. So my question to you, would you do it all over again? If you had to, if you had to yeah. start scratch yeah, you would. Okay. So yeah. starting from scratch, is that something in the future you do, do this all over again? Let's just, yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, I, my next project realistically is going to be a made in America product line. And it's going to be something that um, it's going to be a little different because I'm not ship, you know, shipping from overseas, but I, I really want to kind of write. I think that that's going to be a trend for decades to come, uh, just supporting American business owners and in, in, in sourcing here in the States. So, um, yeah, I would do it all over again. Um, I would do some things very differently from day one, um, but um, it, there's, there's so much opportunity right now, especially because of COVID COVID changed everything. So, you know, all the, the retail that was in stores has, well, I mean, a lot of it has shifted to e-commerce now. So, I mean, there's just incredible opportunity now. There's more people than ever on their phone shopping that, um, you know, if you have an innovative product and you're bringing something new and unique to the market, um, it's a great time, uh, to be selling. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. And I would agree with that. And on the show, like we hear all the different challenges, obviously that 2020 faced. And you said, you said something that I want to kind of like hold on to um, and kind of go and run with is that there's some challenges for years to come. And we highlighted those when you're exiting your business, maybe let's talk on this first, exiting your business, not all sunshine and rainbows. There's lots of challenges along the way as a seller. And then, like you said, keeping books clean, all this stuff um, that goes into it. What are, what are the, we talked about the highs and the highs, like you get that, you know, either payout, I'm not sure what your payout structure was, if that was a, if you're allowed to say it or who you worked with, but let's just assume that it's all cash. You exit clean cut. There's no like, um, either, uh, a payout structure where it's like after a year and there's still profitable and growth factor, you're paid out through that, or you're still an active investment, uh, or investor in that brand, if you will, equity in that brand. You're just clean cut. What are the lows in terms of exiting a business? Like what, what's the stuff that no one talks about that you are just like up late and now you're like, gosh, darn it. Like, or, you know, you can curse even, I'm sure you're cursing, but we'll keep it clean for now. Uh, gosh, darn it. Like, I can't believe like, this is the issue and we're running this one little snag. It keeps me from exiting my business. What are those dark kind of corners of exiting your business that no one talks about? Yeah, I there's there's two things that pop out for that. One is just extreme paranoia, and that takes on uh, it's extremely heavy burden to bear. Um, but when you're going through due diligence and you're working with a broker and you're constantly updating uh, the potential buyer, uh, sometimes things get delayed multiple months. Um, if there's any, you know, maybe a listing suspension 
or all of a sudden, um, you know, potentially there is a flood of uh, new sellers undercutting you. Anything like that can scare off a buyer. So a buyer has a long time in the process to pull out of the deal. And so you're just constantly like every minute of the day, you're, you're checking on your listings, you're making sure that nothing's suspended, you're making sure that all your pictures are correct. So that is a heavy toll. And mm-hmm. uh, by the time I exited, I was just absolutely crushed. So that, that experience is not fun. Um, uh, the second uh, thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that uh, sometimes the bank will pull out of the deal and they won't even give you a reason. So that actually happened to me. So the bank in uh, what regards, like, what are, what are you saying with the bank? You mean? Uh, so, uh, the buyer of my business, uh, use an FBA loan. And so these are, these are, you know, large banks that work with these small loans. These are, um, I think they're under, they're under $5 million loans. And, okay. uh, the the bank just emailed the buyer and the broker and said uh we now do they said due to um i think it was um economic reasons it was extremely broad uh we are pulling out of the deal and this is three months in uh into due diligence Hmm. and so i thought the deal was dead at that point and the buyer was I mean, he really wanted to buy the business. So he went out and found um, a replacement bank and okay. uh, got, got the deal done. But, you know, that's more stress involved because now it's like, oh my gosh, you have to start all over with a brand new bank. And um, it kind of makes you wonder, is this going to put a check kind of, you know, in, in, in the buyer's mind? Is this, is this really is this really a business I want to buy? And so all right. of that is, you know, it's, it's an emotional toll. You almost think there's more doubt in their mind because this happened that an entity is pulling out of a business deal. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And then they're like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it, so it sounds, yeah, I was going to say, so it sounds like this is a private equity uh, transaction, right? This is not like an aggregator. This is not like a, no. like a buyer seller, uh, like a, uh, empire flippers or anything like that. This is another individual who wanted to buy your brand and, and grow it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. I just wanted to set the stage because we've had aggregators. We've had, you know, multiple people no, they, in different industries. So we want to make sure we set the scene. Yeah. Th- this was a this. private, uh, this is actually a husband and wife team and they Ooh, were, you know, it's even more stressful. You just got <laughs> me all stressed. They, uh, they, they ran businesses together though. And they, um, they they actually, they were, they were great to work with. Uh, just fantastic uh, people, and uh, they came on with zero Amazon experience. So there's a lot of training involved uh, with them to get them oh up, up to speed. Was that part of the negotiation that you had to somewhat train them as well? Yeah. So that's actually kind of funny. So it started out with like just this massive amount of hours, and then you you know I have my own counsel, and so I push back and I tell my lawyer, you know, I I think this is fair. You end up meeting in the middle, you know, these are with with contract negotiations. Um, you don't want to push too hard. And so it was um, in-depth training for a month. And then as needed, um, yeah, I think it was like a max two hours a week or something uh, for a okay. year. Okay. So, Interesting. Yeah. So every, every contract's different. Um, but this was, um, you know, this was a, you can call it a mom and pop company. They just wanted to, you know, buy it, grow it and expand the brand uh, and, and, and flip it uh, between five and seven years. So, okay. So they were going to then have an exit strategy and, and then build it out and then even exit themselves. Interesting. 
Yep. Yep. I've never, I've never heard of a buy another brand to again, flip it as a part of a private equity firm. Like that, that was something I haven't heard of yet. Like obviously that exists out there, but I don't think many people are, I don't think too many people are doing that. Is that in your mind uh, a trend or? They weren't even looking at it from a cash flow. St- I mean, they, they were obviously because they wanted to, you know, make money in the interim, but they, their goal was to buy the brand. And I, you know, part of the asset deal was five brands. And so they wanted to grow each of those into, you know, they're, they're really close to doing hundred uh, percent growth year over year. And so they're actually doing exactly what they, what they went out to do and uh, props to them because to go from 0% experience on Amazon to where they are now is absolutely incredible. Um, but you know, they, they have an exit strategy from day one. So it, it is pretty unique um, out there. If you talk to brokers, most, most buyers are not looking at it from that perspective. Right. I mean, people are thinking about FBA businesses now in a different context, more of assets instead of Hey, it's my side hustle that I'm going to get an extra source of inf- like you know inflow of cash yeah. and whatnot. It's an asset that you can really build a business, or mm-hmm. as you see, aggregator businesses. You, there's billions upon billions of dollars just being almost thrown at a not a whim, but like strategically placed with brands who are growing these entities, almost like a PNG or a Johnson Johnson things like that that have just massive brands and an umbrella of all these different kinds of companies and products. So it sounds yeah. like they're trying to do that on a little bit smaller scale, clearly, but yeah. that's interesting that they've never even sold on Amazon before. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty unique. And, and I, I did actually end up talking to a private equity firm as well. And um, for whatever reason, you know, they weren't super interested. Um, you know, I had a lot of pride in my business because it was built up from scratch. Mm-hmm. Five very well-known brands, um, even, even off Amazon. And so everything was clean. The books were clean. Um, you know, net profit was like right around 19% for the entire business. Um, and that includes office space and everything. And so <clears throat> it was a fantastic business. And uh, when I had people say they weren't interested, you know, you get a little offended. Right. Like, this is a great business, guys. <laughs> yeah, you don't see what I see. Yeah, like screw you guys. And so <laughs> and I, I think that's a component too that like me on a – 10,000 foot scale, right. Of looking at where aggregators are doing and people buying all these brands. Is it something that you can't replicate or you can't, you know, the emotion and the hard work and the effort that you go into like the day-to-day operations, it's almost impossible to replicate. So in your mind, how are aggregators going to continue to stay out? And like, I say this from like a very popular area We're we're not talking about private equity, but like the Thrasios of the world, the, elevate yep. brands, the heydays, the, you know, purchase, how are they, how do you think, like, is that a monetary factor that, or just a business growth factor that if they don't replicate that correctly, then like, there's going to be that incremental loss where, you know, you may not, they may not grow it because of that. I think honestly, what's going to happen. And this is just, this is my theory. And I, and I talk about this on Twitter a little bit. I think what's going to happen is that the vast majority of brands that you see now on Amazon are going to be owned by, I think there's like between 50 and 60 of these private equity companies. Vast majority of brands that you see are not going to be run by small business owners anymore. And so, I mean, these guys, these guys have teams of people who come in and revamp all the pictures, 
all the branding, you know, these, these are extremely intelligent uh, companies. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see actual products um, increase in quality and you're going to see the branding uh, get better and better over time, just because, you know, th there's hundreds of millions of dollars uh, being invested into this stuff. So it's, mm -hmm. it's the, the, the landscape is going to change a little bit, but in terms of sellers right now, if, if you are not positioning yourself to exit with one of these guys, you're just absolutely shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I mean, their multiples are pretty healthy and, you know, to not be focused on that right now is, is, is pretty crazy to be quite honest, because, you know, at some point it's going to be hard to compete with them. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be really, really tough. Yeah, well, resetting resetting the show real quick. Uh, I want to give a shout out to everyone who's watching again on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. We appreciate the comments and likes and shares of the show so far. So keep the questions coming in. Just a couple shout outs real quick. Dustin Kessler, John's a great guy, big fan. Look at that. We have a we have a fan uh, yes. watching us around here. So Dustin, we appreciate the comment and the the view. And then uh, Brennan, who's a fan of our show, um, he he tries to chip in where he can. He works for an e commerce company. Uh, so I'll, I will, I will very much translate this for you uh, as well. If I, if, uh, Brendan met you at a bar, I'm going to translate this. He, he is in the e-commerce industry, not on Amazon, but like working off of brands. If he met you at a bar and what you do, maybe with this is a natural transition over to you as a consultant, uh, at black label advisor, yeah. what would you say? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest with you, if this is like a quick elevator speech at a bar, it would be, I basically help brands expand their presence online and mm -hmm. their sales. Um, so, you know, I work with small business owners, but I also work with, uh, fairly large brand owners. And, uh, the goal at the end of the day is to help them overcome those challenges on Amazon that, you know, if you were just doing it without any advice, um, you're just going to get slaughtered on Amazon. Um, so, you know, just walking with them and helping them not make those mistakes, um, is, is what I do. Awesome. So into, into obviously you are, you saw that exit strategy, you took it, your business from exit, you said, Hey, I still want to be involved with this. People are saying, Hey, what's well, the secret sauce? What are the ways that am I doing this right? And that you saw an opportunity to say, Hey, I'm going to advise people. Probably you were starting before you even exited, I'm assuming naturally, and then transpired into black label advisor. So really yeah. cool. But you yourself are only advising. You don't have a team that works for you. You don't have anyone else on payroll. Right. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So, that, so, yeah. so, so naturally is that, is that a good model still for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I absolutely enjoy the model. And you know, the reason why is because part of what I do is I'm walking with people in their business. And whether it's helping someone grow their business or myself growing a new brand, um, just growing things and seeing things develop and helping people um, is just a true passion. And so uh, it did come about uh, towards the end of the exit to do consulting. And then when I started uh, training the buyer of my business, I um, had kind of like a light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, there's probably thousands of people who uh, maybe they bought a business and they have no idea what they're doing, or there's brands um, from brick and mortar that want to uh, make a big splash on Amazon. Um, I can help them do that. And I always tell people, especially on Twitter, there is no secret sauce. Um, 
So it's, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of hard work. And it really comes down to branding and making sure your listing is optimized. But, um, you know, I tell people that all the time. There, there's really no ultra secret recipe for it. Um, yeah. So what yeah. do you tell? Yeah. So, but uh, on that, on that point, you just mentioned that you think that there's an aggregator wave, uh, they will eventually just own every business out there. Does that mean that your advice to people is don't sell on Amazon or try to build a brand on Amazon? What is, what is kind of that like balance that you say, you know, competition wise, maybe you should not get into this area. I, I think a lot of people are not saying that, but I kind of, yeah since the writing on the wall from you were like, there's a point that there'll be a competition is going against billion dollar entities now yep. and you won't be able to compete with them. What is that? What does that kind of look like? Yeah. So if we back up a little bit, people have been actually competing with Amazon private labels for years. Mm -hmm. And so that that's really not new. And the reality is that, you know, let's say those, you know, 50 plus uh, private equity firms do buy out a lot of these brands. Some of them are not going to be very good. Um, some of them are going to be very good. And then quite a few uh, small business owners are actually never going to sell. So right now we're kind of in the, in the infancy stage where we don't really know how many people are exiting. Uh, we obviously know that there's, you know, billions of dollars, um, you know, buying these brands, but the marketplace is so massive, so massive mm -hmm. that there's always going to be opportunity. And um, even on Amazon, I mean, Amazon's just absolutely terrible at branding. And, um, you know, people compete with them and do just fine. Um, other people don't. Um, so it's kind of like hit or miss competing with Amazon. Um, but it's one of those things that there's always going to be opportunity. And absolutely selling on Amazon is a good time right now. Actually, uh, when I'm working with people, most people have kind of between five and 10 year exit strategies. And their dream is to exit to one of those companies or just the, just a private buyer like I did. So, um, you know, whether it's a unique product or, um, you know, something that's truly solving a customer need, there's always going to be, uh, opportunities for that. So wh where's the growth happening for you now that different from back in 2014, when you started, where's the exciting, you know, growth happening that you're touting to your customers and clients and saying, Hey, you need to be in this area because this is what, this is hot right now. You, you're going to be do well. You're going to add to your brand value. Once you exit, if you're here, what, what are those locations or platforms looking like? Whether it's a marketplace or, you know, yeah. just doing a strategy. Yeah. I mean, if I started from day one, um, I would have focused so much more on branding. I mean, to be able to control your customers, um, off Amazon, and to, you know, possibly be in brick and mortar like a Nordstrom, uh, that's really popular right now. Um, but really, just focusing on your Shopify store and uh, making sure everything is optimized on Amazon um, is huge right now. Um, there's there's a lot of people that we're going to see Walmart become a huge player in e-commerce space pretty soon. Uh, they already are huge now, but they are they're definitely going to be the next competitor for Amazon. Um, so that'll be coming up. That's going to present all sorts of new opportunities for sellers because now, um, you're going to be sending inventory to two places. One's going to be, you know, your third party warehouse for Walmart, and then you're going to be sending an inventory for Amazon. So, um, you know, 
that's that's a very real new reality uh, coming up. Is there? Um, do you think that with Shopify making growth, continuing to grow the way they are, is that in any way a scare? Should people, should Amazon be worried that it's a legitimate like threat to them? In terms of like, it's good for e-commerce sellers that there's another viable place to sell products, right? It's not technically a monopoly, but is should Amazon be worried that people will continue to grow in that capacity instead of just focus solely on Amazon? Yeah, they, so Amazon actually uh, just bought out, I forget their name. They bought out um, a competitor. It's a competitor. Yeah. 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 So they, they are worried. Um, one of the biggest reasons why they're worried is because right now I'd probably venture to say 99% of Shopify sellers um, are utilizing Amazon warehousing uh, to, to fulfill their orders. If they continue, so they Shopify, if they continue to expand their preferred uh, uh, warehousing partners and everything like that, that's going to pose a real threat because the fees they get from the NCF program are going to dry up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, really, Amazon wants to control everything related to the customer. And so I think Amazon's going to, you know, basically, they love data. And so I think they're kind of foaming at the mouth um, at growing an e-commerce platform like Shopify and blowing that up and then also putting all sorts of crazy stipulations on the data because right now it's it's uh the first and last name is going away and now you don't have any information related to your customer on right. shopify you're going to have everything you're going to have their phone number their address their email um and so marketing to them is extremely useful and that was actually one of the top things my buyer was interested in was okay uh mr elder how uh, large is your uh, newsletter list and I told him it was um, a couple thousand and uh, that was a huge sell point for him because he wanted to expand that and use that as marketing uh, for hit for the Shopify websites yeah of course and, and yeah like you said we, we talked about this on our show yesterday with uh, Troy Johnson of seller tools is as of the I believe 8th of April data from uh, your buyer or basically the customer is no longer going to be available so that growing your brand, any sort of loyalty or anything like that off of Amazon is even more important now than ever because Amazon doesn't give you data in terms of where this buyer is located. They don't give you names. So you can't create look like audiences. No. Thus you can't really start attracting off of Amazon in terms of new potential buyers. So with that being said, what are you advising clients or other, you know, sellers in that capacity to start doing now that that is going away? I mean, so uh, Facebook has uh, Pixel, so Pixel, you know, captures all the data for your social media uh, ad campaigns on Instagram and Facebook. And you know, I wouldn't have said do that from day one, but now uh, absolutely from day one, because now you're going to be playing kind of a uh, Kind of a game of capturing as much data from customers as you can uh, versus you know what you're doing on Amazon. I think th Amazon's just going to continue to limit the power and access to data that you have, and you know that poses a real issue of you know like you said the look like audiences and you know retargeting. So you know I, when I'm talking with clients, absolutely from day one, 
it's get your Shopify set up. And a lot of people hesitate because it sounds really complicated, but Shopify is so streamlined. It's, it's an absolute joke. I mean, it's so easy, so easy. Um, and so setting that up from day one is different now. And um, just, you know, having, having those call outs and trying to capture their email address, um, all that's extremely useful for branding long-term. And then it's also useful for uh, review generation. So they're your customer on, on Shopify. So if you want to send out a coupon code and say, hey, you know, I just did this launch of a, a new product line, um, you can do that. You know, you're not using a third-party service. You're using your own customer data. So it's extremely useful, and it, it should honestly be done for every single seller from day one of their launch. Absolutely. And you know, we've heard people with tactics of, hey, if you're going to want people to have that transaction on your website, you can obviously have it listed the same as Amazon, but if they sign up with more information, they can get access to a discount or the next you know, free shipping or whatever that looks like, offer some sort of incentive where that price, even though it's matched on Amazon, can be dropped a little bit lower. They're there to save some money. You're still capturing their information. So it's a win for you. But if they Absolutely. say, hey, I know for a fact that I can buy on Amazon, they can still buy on Amazon if they truly wanted to. You're still winning in that regard. So that being yep. said, are you are you when you're first starting, are you directing people to purchase on Amazon or having them purchase directly on Shopify and fulfilled, like you said, with the multi-channel fulfillment program? Because not oh, many people are like yeah. as experienced like starting right away. What do I do like to get people launching products, getting started? Do I do this two-prong approach um, to have that happen? And most of our products just be sold directly on Amazon and fulfilled by Amazon, and then later tap into that like purchase and fulfill through Shopify? What are you telling people to do? Oh man, that's easily uh, doing the MCF program from day one. And so the moment your inventory hits, uh, setting up that link relationship referral fee, um, and, it, and it's just, it makes your life so simple in terms of, uh, in terms of logistics. Mm -hmm. that, um, it's really the most optimal way to do it. So how's that? Yeah, I was say, well, how does that affect your ranking on Amazon then? Uh, zero. It, how is that? How is that the case though? How does uh, Amazon zero. not ding that if that's happening? So your Shopify orders are actually listed as Shopify orders, and it's totally separate from the Amazon platform. So you're simply using their fulfillment, but that order through your Shopify site is never logged as a sale on Amazon. So it's completely mm -hmm. separate. Yeah. Okay. But even starting out like a brand new product or brand launching, get you're you're saying this tactic from day one is probably your best case scenario, even though it might not be driving traffic to Amazon and ranking your product there. Or do you have a whole different campaign set up for launching new products on Amazon and getting those scaled to page one? Yeah. So think think of Shopify. Like if you were starting a launch from day one. Shopify is going to be a totally different environment than Amazon. So Amazon, it's all about the buying program, using tools like rebate key and just pumping PPC really, really hard from day one. And that's kind of Amazon centric. And then your Shopify store is really, you're kind of drawing traffic from Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, Google's, Google's pretty dead um, in terms of uh, products and, and search and uh, search volume and things like that. But um really what you're doing on Shopify is you're, you're building up your, um, basically your customer list. And over time, it's kind of like a yo-yo effect. So, um, 
you know, you're capturing the data and then you're going to use that data on future launches. Great. Um, so it's kind of like a joint, uh, a parallel strategy. And um, I'm, gosh, I used to use my list to promote new products, new variations of products. Uh, for example, um, I used to sell um, uh, kid swings. And so if I launched a new color or a new design, especially now in blue, now in pink, now in whatever color. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, if something was new, um, I alerted my, you know, couple thousand people about about this, and uh, it, it had a had a pretty, you know, a pretty decent uh, effect on uh, the launch of that of that variation. So um, it's extremely effective long term. Um, you're not really getting a lot of benefit right at the beginning, but that's that's the the big holdup is like, oh, is it really worth my time? And the answer is absolutely because if you're capturing the data from day one, um, you can use that for future product launches. So you're telling people if the transaction were to happen, you would prefer to happen on Shopify than to Amazon for multiple reasons. Obviously, capturing their information, but um, and your margins are are, are higher. Well, clear, clearly, yeah, clearly your margins are higher. I was I was like. I always hesitate to tell people that because in the conjunction, if you're trying to rank your product on Amazon, you know, if you're driving people to that, there's other campaigns out there, obviously like search run buy there's, you know, Hey, check us out on Amazon. Just search for the brand wherever. And you're pointing people there in yeah. theory that can really help you launch and rank quicker, but you're touting stay away from that. Keep them separate as entities because at the end of the day, profits are king, you know, keep them separate campaigns. That's that's always how I viewed it. And I never wanted to kind of commingle those two things. Sure. That um, makes sense. Yeah. So that was kind of like a business strategy. And it worked out really well. I mean, my my um, uh, gosh, my return on investment was it ranged from seven to ten percent uh on uh, uh with my with my Facebook and Instagram ads. Nice. So um yeah it's just a, it's just it's a very powerful tool for sellers. Interesting. Um, I know there, I know we're pretty close to, or we're already at the top of the hour, but, um, I have, I hopefully have you for a little more longer than that with other kind of platforms like TikTok that's making a little bit more waves in social media. I, we had a conversation, me personally had it with, um, director of partnerships over at TikTok and they're really partnering with, um, influencers, but they're also partnering with more, uh, Amazon services and more Amazon brands. What's kind of your take initially, if you haven't already thought about like being in a platform where it's can go viral quickly. I've seen it affect sales in an instance drop of the hat. It's almost like the yeah. first wave of like, you know, the, the trend effect of if someone's going to feature it in a quick video like that, whether it's an influencer or an ad, and then you have an audience that's young in generation, Gen Z, Gen, you know, why uh, I forget who are the who are younger than me. I like haven't paid attention. Anytime it says millennial, I'm like, yeah, that's me, and forgot yeah. everyone afterwards. Um, but um, when you're looking at new like platforms like that to capture more audience share, what are you, what are your initial thoughts on um, kind of tapping into that, building a brand, helping your businesses grow? Yeah, I mean TikTok is kind of different. Your product has to fit the demographic for TikTok, so my products uh, never really f would fit something like that when I when I was selling um, and it, and it what would be good what would be good ones for TikTok let's let's go over like is that is that just like trendy stuff is it weird unique uh, 
it can be trendy. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to quantify what TikTok audience is shopping for. Yeah, it, that's the that's the thing. I'm not even on TikTok, so I'm like, me neither. You know, you just you hear. I do a lot of reading and stuff, but it, it, it's it's one of those it's one of those apps that is um, extremely young with their demographic, and um, almost all of my um, uh, markets. Um, Gosh, or older, probably if they were golfing. Thirty and sixty, and so you know, I doubt they're on TikTok. But if you have like, for example, if you look at like wallets or something, or uh, trendy phone cases and things like that, that could be an awesome platform for that. So it kind of depends on your product line. Um, but to be frank, I have never really jumped into TikTok. So. Gotcha. Well, uh, I guess my last question for you, John, what, what should people be kind of really focusing on in 2021? What's the number one key component that to be successful and to continue to scale at rate or even grow their business? This is what they need to focus on moving forward this year. Yeah, definitely two things. One is, you know, make sure you you're, you're using the, the really cheap capital that's out there right now. Um, you know, there's great companies um, like Payability and Accrue.me and others who uh, really fit really well into the Amazon ecosystem. And um, a lot of people are hesitant to do that just because they view it as a risk. Um, you know, even um, utilizing something like Amazon Lending. Um, gosh, I use that all the time, chronically, all the time. And it was just unbelievably convenient to use uh, those funds. So. Um, the reason why I was able to do hundred percent year over year was because I was using capital from other people. So, right. Um, so more product. And when you say capital, we'll, we'll quantify for people to say like invest that into product, invest in advertising, invest in ways where you can scale quicker and have, you know, more sales. That, that's what you mean by capital. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is like everything from credit lines with like someone like Chase bank or, um, you know, uh, small business lending loans um it's all honestly the vast majority was for inventory so if you want to launch uh five products instead of one product um if you have lending you know you can launch your five products and grow very very fast that's awesome well hey john before we leave and cap off this episode where people can learn more about you can follow along if they have questions what are the best ways to get in touch with uh you and black label advisor yeah, yeah, two ways. Uh, you can go directly to my website, uh, www.blacklabeladvisor.com, uh, or you can email me directly. Uh, it's John Elder, and, and my first name is J-O-N, uh, at blacklabeladvisor.com. Um, so th those are the easiest ways to find me. And then I'm also on Twitter and Facebook, and my handle on Twitter is BL underscore advisor. Um, so yeah, looking forward to connecting with some of your uh, listeners. Absolutely. And again, Black Label Advisor, check them out. Um, we put that in the comment section. So if you have a question, you want to click the link, you're watching us on desktop or on your phone, go ahead and click that link in the comment section below. It's also in our show notes for people who are listening uh, on the downloadable version. Make sure you check out that website as well and check out John on social media. But John, thank you so much for hopping on today. Um, you guys are doing great things over, the, uh, over at your company. Congrats on the success of exiting your business. Yeah. Not lots of people get to do that which is fine, uh, which is awesome. But you get to do that, be profitable and grow your business and brands. Uh, looking forward to working with you in different capacities. Uh, also moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on the show.
Yeah, no problem. And again, uh, I want to say a special shout out again. Thanks to John uh, for hopping on Crossover Commerce again. Uh, uh, guest number three again this week on the show. This is episode 73 of exiting a seven-figure brand and the challenges along the way. We will be off tomorrow for kind of a day of rest, <laughs> almost like a Sunday, but we will be coming back hot in on Friday with another expert in the Amazon e-commerce space. So definitely tune back in if, again, you weren't able to join us in the beginning. This is Crossover Commerce. We go live about four to five times per week. So make sure that you subscribe to our social media channels on either Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Twitter. That way you can be notified when I go live with experts like John in the Amazon and e-commerce space. I'm the host, Ryan Kramer. This is my show. I love talking and answering questions for people in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Even if you're not an expert, not selling online, feel free to tune in, give us a rating on Amazon, Google, uh, uh, Spotify podcast, and tell us what you think. If you have people you want us to talk with, I will be more than happy to reach out to them and come on the show to share their expertise as well. But for John, again, I'm Ryan Kramer with Ping Pong Payments. We'll catch you guys next time on Crossover Commerce.